Citizen, The Connection, Chapter 5. Come here, boys, Granny said. Tracy and Freddy were done with lunch and watched TV. Once Moody got home from work, they would be on their way to the farm. Since we're going, Granny said, we might as well have some fun. The boys followed Granny into the living room. She came out of her bedroom with wrapped packages that were long and skinny, and handed the slightly heavier and shorter one to Freddy. Well, go on. Granny said. The boys tore into the paper, which revealed a pop-gun and a bow-and-arrow set. Freddy's gun was easily pumped up and had a heavy string attached to the red stopper. Tracy was growing so fast, his bow was already shorter than he was. The arrows had rubber suction cups that wouldn't stick to anything, but he loved it anyway. Once Moody got home, they were off, and there was a reason they took the camper. Granny had laid down the law with Moody. Even though the farm in Virginia was a marvel in many ways, particularly for the boys, there were realities. The house and furnishings were authentic nineteenth century, complete with turn-of-the-century heat and humidity, rat holes and bedbugs. Years later, during one of their chats, Moody and Tracy had a good laugh about it. She never did figure it out. Moody said, and then he mimicked Granny's gravel. Why are there only rats in Drist's room? In the morning he brings them out two or three at a time. And Moody winked. I couldn't let her know there were just as many in our room. The only way was to take up the traps so they wouldn't be snapping all night. But Granny figured out the bed bugs, and when the boys were little she didn't take any chances. When Tracy was in the bathroom in the morning... He heard the aerosol spraying in their bedroom as Granny disinfected their bed. At night, once Granny got the boys settled, she pulled back the sheet. She instructed the boys to shield their eyes and hold their breath, and she sprayed another coat of bug spray over them for safekeeping. So enough was enough, and they took the camper to the farm. This also gave Granny refuge from Pawpaw Moody Sr., because it was safe to keep her cocktail bar set up without judgment. Mr. Moody was just as happy with the arrangement. Of all the things his son could have done to continue service to his country, marrying Granny was not one of them. Moody tried to help keep the farm running, which was why he had studied agriculture. But he was too far removed, and when Moody came back from the war there was an incident. The white man that ran the gas station had a younger boy pumping gas. The young man was familiar with the Moody's, but had never met Kindle. Warrant Officer Moody was fresh from the Pacific, where things had been different. Moody certainly wasn't expecting the reception he got at the pump. "'We don't serve niggers here,' the snotty white boy said. Moody asked for the manager, but he wasn't there. Moody told the boy not to move, and went up to the farm to get the deed. By the time Moody got back, the manager heard what happened and waited for Moody. He made his son apologize to Moody, which he did, and the father made excuses that his son didn't know who Moody was. 
Your boy didn't need to know who I was, Moody decided. You got 24 hours to get out of my station, Earl. I'll see you day after tomorrow for the keys. Years and years later, the gas station at the intersection sat empty. Everyone knew what happened and what wouldn't happen again. It might have opened back up if Moody had stayed. He would have healed the situation, which was what he excelled at with everybody except one. There was no way Granny was going to pack up her girls and move to Moody's tiny little town in southern Virginia. There was talk of Moody running the farm during summers, but Granny and Moody couldn't agree on that either. Consequently, the rift between Mr. Moody and Granny ran deep, even during prayer. Now, at the family dinner, Granny Berger, Granny, and Mrs. Moody Sr. had been cooking for days. German chocolate cake, fresh peach, and sweet potato pies lined the sideboard. Collards had boiled on the back burner for two days, and mounds of muscadine grapes intertwined at even intervals between the sherry glasses. Mrs. Moody was kept busier by small hands that came from nowhere. They stole the grapes and slipped around the corner, because Tracy and Freddie couldn't stop eating them. Slightly smaller than a ping-pong ball, the boys could only hold three at a time. But the grape's pink, dappled sheen screamed deliciousness. Usually the boys got their bounty directly off the vines that grew on the fence around the bullpen. However, that summer the bull was particularly aggressive, and Moody warned them. True enough, as soon as the boys crept close, the bull jousted his horns against the fence. This gave Freddy a rooster flashback and sent him screeching through the yard. Yet evening finally came, and ham from the smokehouse sat next to buttermilk biscuits. Fresh vegetables from the garden and three types of gravies, one from each matron, vied for room. Then the large family stood in front of their chairs, ready for prayer. Back home in Rand, when Granny cooked, she cooked, and when she ate, she ate. Moody told Tracy, Your granny stove has two settings, off and high. Which Tracy witnessed firsthand. Granny had to have her food piping hot. When whatever she had torched was done, Granny called everyone to dinner as she brought the food to the table. If no one was there by the time her slender butt hit the chair, Granny bowed her head and said her prayer and fast forward. Father, we thank you for this food which we're about to receive for nourishment under our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Back at the farm, the great Mr. Moody stood at the end of the table in front of the black walnut china cabinet. After a pause, he commenced his prayer in his low, slow voice. The seasoned minister was careful not to forget one blessing, no matter how small. About the time the last curl of steam was about to rise off the mashed potatoes, he was interrupted. Oh shit, Granny shouted. If you really wanted to bless the hands that made this, we'd eat it while it was hot. You selfish old woman, came immediately from the curled lip of the preacher. Selfish, Granny cried. You're the one grandizing with all your flowery words. You have no more respect, Mr. Moody stammered. Respect? 
and Granny was truly hot now. I show you respect. And she started dishing mounds of potatoes onto nearby plates. We'd all be dead by the time you got done listening to yourself. And she grabbed the green spoon to start slinging. Did Jesus make the five thousand wait as hungry as they were? And Granny pointed her spoon at the preacher. You just keep talking to the Lord over there. But as for me and my Jesus, we're going to eat. After a time, Mr. Moody tacked on an amen and sat down along with the family. Then Mrs. Moody politely began spooning. But the steel-blue glint of the retired school teacher's eye was bright, and she turned in her chair to keep her husband from catching her smile. On this visit, Granny had the camper and gin and tonics to get her through. Granny also had an ally. Miss Odell lived across and down the road from the main house. In fact, most of the Moody's lived somewhere on the 400-acre property, even if part-time. Moody's older brother, Garrison, lived on a hill northeast of the main house. He ran the farm when he got back from Nam and stayed to himself. Moody's younger brother, Driss, had moved to Richmond. He had a plumbing business there, but came home on weekends. Miss Odell was a cousin of Moody's, who lived back in the woods. She had outbuildings scattered around with mismatched stuff spilling out. One had a still hidden under the floor, which was where Moody got his shine. There was a swamp on the way to her place, and it was quiet there, except for Odell and Granny. Their kindred voices rang through the white oaks that surrounded her corner of the property. Once they arrived at the farm, Moody knew Granny would be fixin' to go. He parked the camper by the main house and got Tracy to help him. Be careful, Moody would say. Go slow. Your Granny's in there. They cranked the heavy steel legs down on either side of the truck. When they got it level... Moody drove his green pickup from underneath. After supper, Granny went to Odell's, but on one particular evening it got later than usual. Come on, boys, Granny instructed. Get your guns and arrows, and let's have an adventure down to Miss Odell's. The three hopped in the truck with their weaponry, Freddy with his pop gun, Tracy with his bow and arrow, and Granny with her gin and tonic. About dusk, they pulled down Odell's road, and Granny stopped the truck. All right, Granny said. Let's see what you can do. And the boys looked at her. There might be some big game out there, Granny explained. Or a possum or something. You got the equipment. Let's see what you can scare up. And Granny really didn't know what was about to happen. And the boys looked at her more. Oh, hell, just get out of the truck and go on up the road. I'll follow you and be on your lookout. So the boys got out of the truck. They stalked down the road with cocked pop gun and drawn bow, and it was fun. Granny followed about fifty feet behind and let the truck coast while she lit a cigarette. There was just enough light to see, and lightning bugs were in the trees. But the other bugs were quiet. No crickets or cicadas, which was a little weird. The road eased down the hill into the swamp. The boys walked at the ready, scanning the roadside for any sign of movement. 
About that time a bull moose noiselessly came from the woods into the road. In reality, the moose was probably a fourteen-point buck. But from their vantage point, and from all the hours watching the Rocky and Bullwinkle show, to the boys it was a moose. Tracy silently turned heel and ran for the truck, but Freddy couldn't move. The brave little seven-year-old stared at antlers wide as the road. They dripped with red velvet and looked angry, although the moose wasn't at all upset. He simply looked at Freddy, who stood knee-high to the colossus. The animal chewed, and Freddy held his gun tight against his chest at the regimented forty-five-degree angle of attention. All of a sudden it went pop, and the red stopper flew up and out, and then swung limply from the end of the toy. "'Get in the truck! Get in the truck!' Tracy yelled back. Granny looked up. The end of her cigarette grew bright, and she honked the horn. The moose was not impressed as he watched the boys run. But if a moose could chuckle, he probably did. Then the animal continued across the road and disappeared as fast as he had appeared. The boys hopped into the truck and burst into all kinds of words. Then they went straight to Odell's, and she laughed and laughed. Oh, yes, that one, Odell chortled. He's a big one, but he's a pussycat. And Miss Odell arranged herself in her rocking chair. She needed to sit wide for the heat as she sipped moonshine and took snuff. The boys sat on two short stools in the middle of the porch. Granny took the chair in the other corner. It was dark and a little cooler now. A big moon was on the rise, and the bugs were singing again. Even though they couldn't see the huge trees surrounding the split log cabin, they could hear them. The cicada larvae had crawled out and hardened. Now they caught up on the business of decades and made their way to the canopy for the frenzy of alternating vibrations in the next day's heat. I'm pretty sure his name is Eddie, Odell said, and she used her hand fan but still looked hot. Whose name is Eddie? Freddy asked. The moose you almost popped, Odell answered. Then Miss Odell got up and went through the moonlight to a loose shed of thin cedar logs. She came back with a few leaves of tobacco. She pulled her rocker up to the eating table and laid the leaves out to smooth them. Some were wide and some were pieces from the last time, but they all looked like leather. She had a rectangular knife at the ready. It was thicker than a razor and its sharpness gleamed under the yellow bug light. Odell rolled wide shreds into a wad longer than her palm. She put them on half a leaf and cut next to the leaf's vein. Then she cut the top and bottom in a square the length of a cigar. She skillfully picked up the stuffed leaf, and as easy as anything, Miss Odell pulled up her skirt to roll the stogie up and down her inner thigh. With the pressure, heat, and moisture... The action sealed the cigar. Then she cut off the tapered tip and held it up for Granny to see. You want one? Miss Odell asked. Now you know I hate those damn things, Granny growled. It's bad enough Moody's always puffing around the house. Odell looked at her, 
But you know you're fine, Granny conceded. Hell, this is your house, Odell, but I'll stick with my ciggies. Odell lit up and sat back for a long toke. Then she took snuff and chased it with moonshine. Besides, I get confused with all that, Granny said, and waved her hand in a circle. Yeah, Granny decided. That would be too much for me. I only have two hands. Odell didn't answer except to rock, puff, snort, and sip, mostly for show this time. The boys just sat. It was that kind of place and time, and everyone's mind wandered. Freddy thought the moose's name probably was Eddie. If anyone knew, it would be Miss Odell. Maybe he came by every so often for one of her cigars. But would he smoke it, Freddy thought, or eat it? Tracy was also lost in thought, although his were older. He missed his mom, but didn't want to go back to D.C. Then Tracy noticed how soothing the sound of the cicadas was. He was himself here at the farm, especially with Moody. And Granny and Moody, Tracy thought, even with their bickering, they took care of him and Freddy, and they were safe here. Did I ever tell you about Moody's rabbit hunting? Granny asked. The boys giggled, and Odell shook her head no, even though she had heard something of it. She sat back for the tale and blew cigar smoke into the porch roof. We were out here years ago, Granny began. It was shortly after the girls were often married, so we were by ourselves. Moody was always exhausted as soon as we got here, but there was a rabbit in the garden and Granny sipped her tonic to oil her voice. "'I think I know where this is going,' Odell said. "'And Moody was determined,' Granny continued. "'But I was pretty sure it was just an excuse to get away from his busy-body family. "'A day went by, and no rabbit. "'He'd go out past the hen-house and set himself up by a big locust tree, "'sitting and leaning against the trunk. The second day he came back empty, I asked him how his nap was. Well, he got all puffed up, talking about how he almost got him. And there was a shot every so often, but I thought I knew why. Yep, Odell agreed. On the third day, Granny said, I waited an hour before I went out there. Sure enough, you could hear that snore from the kitchen. So I snuck out. Damn if that rabbit wasn't getting his fill chawing on greens and just looking at me. And Granny made her teeth nibble like a rabbit for the boys. So I decided I'd fix him. I got myself on the opposite side of that locust tree and went down on hands and knees to ear level. Then I snuck up behind him and I yelled, Moody! He woke up and the gun went off pretty much at the same time, just shooting everywhere. And Granny laughed, because telling of her exploits with Moody was one of the few things that made her truly happy. The boys laughed themselves off their stools and rolled around on the porch floor. He had to change the tractor tire the next day, Granny finished, in a totally unrelated incident. But I think we all know what happened. Jackie, you are just not right, Odell stated and puffed her cigar. The boys recovered. 
they got back on their stools to look out into the night, and Freddy was ever so proud. Now he knew he had more in common with his pawpaw, and didn't feel so bad about being such a bad shot. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So... If you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.